Thank you so much for joining us today. You're listening to Coryton Cast, the official podcast of Coryton Church. What are the seven critical things every follower of Jesus must do with the Word of God? You're listening to the 12th and final episode in the Why We Believe series with Dr. Rocky Ramsey. In today's episode, Pastor Rocky explains the final four things we must do with the Bible, starting with memorization. So when I get tempted and my mind is, is trying to rationalize why I ought to do this wrong thing, instead I start quoting scripture. I remember, I've memorized scripture for this very moment. I've been waiting for the devil to show up. I've got my guns loaded. You know, the old westerns, you have the guys who have the shootout, you know, they pull their gun and shoot. Some of us have guns, we don't have any bullets in them. And some of us don't even have guns. And so the devil comes after us, we're just sitting ducks. We're just lambs being led to the slaughter because we have no idea how to fend him off. I'll tell you how to fend him off. The truth. Continue my word, you'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. How do, what kind of truth you know? You memorize it. And you find out what your areas of vulnerability are. And since you're studying the Bible, you've got verses to match them. And so whenever you're tempted, boom, 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 boom. You're pulling verses up. And one of those is that the wages of sin is death. Because see, sin promises to give you life. But it doesn't. Drink this, shoot this, smoke this, have her, have him. It'll give you life. No, it'll give you death. It'll give you death. If you struggle with worry, memorize verses about peace. You know what you struggle with. Study the Bible, memorize verses, and quote them when you're tempted. You replace the thoughts of temptation with God's truth, his thoughts. So you believe it, you read it, you study it, you memorize it. And then number five, you learn from others about it. You learn from others about it. I wish I could have had two words here. It looks so much prettier on your outline, but anyway, couldn't find it. Look at what Paul said in these verses. Philippians 4 9 says, The thing with things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. 2 Timothy 2 2, the things which you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Disciple, I put in your outline there, means learner. If you're not learning, you're not a disciple. It simply means learn. Doesn't mean Christian. Doesn't mean believer. Doesn't mean saint. Means learner. Are you a learner? You know, with, with, with my, my wife, my, my whole family, we're just learners. We're, we're forever. Read, I read a great article, send it to all of them. They read something good, they send it to us. And we read this stuff all the time. Then we get together, we've always got just volumes of stuff we can talk about. I mean, significant stuff, life-changing stuff, how life happens, how people react to it, what do you, what do, you do, what do you not do, et cetera, et cetera. Just be a learner. Just as there are people who, who know the Lord better than us, there are people who know his word better than us. One, because they've studied it a lot longer, or it could be somebody that's not older than you, but he's had more time to study it, like somebody in ministry. Listen to Hebrews 1.1. It says there that God spoke long ago through the prophets in many portions. In many portions. What's that mean? That means God gives some people insight into things that other people don't have. So there are some things that God may give me a lot more insight in than you. 
And there may be something God gives you more insight in than me. Does that make sense? So I need to learn from you and you need to learn from me. You've heard this expression, a wise man learns from mistakes. No, he doesn't. If you don't learn from your mistakes, you're dumb. I mean, you're real dumb. You know, touch a hot stove, burns you. I'm going to touch it again. Maybe it won't burn me this time. Ow, did it again. Well, it won't do it this time. Ow, did it again. A wise man doesn't learn from his own mistakes, but he does. But a wise man learns from the mistakes of others. He finds others who are ahead of him, who've been where he hadn't been yet. And he finds out what they knew and what they know. And he knows what to avoid because they made the mistake. Now he doesn't have to. Learn from other people. So you come to church, you hear me and others. You learn from a room full of people in a community group. You watch videos or listen to podcasts. You read books and articles. You learn from others who have learned something that you've not yet discovered. So you believe the Bible, you read the Bible, you study the Bible, you learn from others about it. Number six, you obey it. You obey it. We're to do what the Bible says. Look at these verses, Joshua 1, 8 again. You ought to have it memorized. You ought to have Psalm 1, 1 to 3 memorized. This book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have success. So he says the way to prosper and have success is to do what God says. The meditating on it helps you to understand what to do so you can do it. Look at John 14, 21. Jesus says, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. How do you get to know God better? You obey him. He asks you to obey. You do it, he reveals more of himself to you. Now he asks you to obey on this point. You do it, he reveals more of himself to you. And then he asks you to obey on this point and you do it and he reveals yourself, more of himself to you. But when you quit obeying, you start get, get, losing more insight from him. Look at John 13, 17. Jesus said, if you know these things, you're blessed if you do them. It's not what you know that necessarily changes your life. You've got to do what you know to do. You can't do better till you know better, but you can know better and not do any better. A lot of people do. It's not enough to do what the, know what the Bible says. We've got to do it to be blessed. John 3, 36, he believes in the Son, has eternal life, he, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So everything you do and don't do, you do because of what you believe. You react to life based on what you believe. And we, when, and we believe what we believe, not what we think we believe, not what we say we believe. So again, life is hard. So when life is hard, you go, yep, things break, things tear down, uh, life is hard. But if you don't believe that, every time it happens, you, you, you come apart. You just, you, you throw a hissy fit, we used to say when I was growing up. I'm not sure what a hissy is, but anyway, hopefully it's nothing nasty. But anyway, a hissy fit. And you, 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 you fall to pieces. Why? Because you, you believe that life is supposed to be easy. Everything is just supposed to go perfect. You get married. You think, oh, since we love each other, we'll never have disagreements, right? Uh, I, I'm sorry, but no. That's not true. Since we love each other, this will be easy. That's not true. 
since you're a selfish sinner, you don't know how selfish you are yet because until you get married, you've never seen yourself. But when you get married to somebody, it's like marrying a mirror. And all of a sudden, you get to see who you really are. And it ain't as pretty as you thought it was. Jesus makes it clear in John 3, 36 that believing in him is obeying him. It's not just agreeing with some facts or saying some words. If I biblically believe in him, then I obey him. If I don't, I don't really believe in him. Every time I disobey God, I have first disbelieved him. I believed the wrong thing, therefore I did the wrong thing. In the, in the Garden of Eden, why did Adam and Eve sin? Because they believed the wrong thing. They've decided that doing it not God's way, sinning would be a better deal for them than if they did it God's way. And every time you deliberately, knowingly sin, that's exactly what you've done. You believe the devil's lie that this will give you life. It won't lead to death. This will benefit you, not cost you. And you bite. Isn't it amazing? It's kind of like, you know, sitting's like a drop shot. If you feel a drop shot is in tennis, you're back, you know, somewhere on the court, you try to hit a ball barely over the net, and the guy has to run up and get it, and hopefully he can't get there. A drop shot, it doesn't matter if you've missed 100 in a row, you still think it's a good idea. It just seems like a good idea. That's what sin is. Even though you, you paid for it 50 times in a row, the next one will just seem like a good idea. Oh, this time it'll go good. This time it'll work out. Oh, this will really benefit me now. No, it won't. Adam and Eve were wrong thinking sin was a better idea and we're wrong when we think it is. Why did we misbehave? Because we have misbelieved. So if I'm going to obey the Lord, I've got to believe the word. What we do is the real evidence of who we are. Obedience and works are the evidence of real biblical faith. James says without faith, without works, faith is dead. In other words, it's not real faith. It's not biblical faith. Faith works. No works means no faith. Believing is obeying. Obeying is believing. So we're to believe the Bible, read the Bible, study the Bible, memorize the Bible, learn about it from others, and obey it. And then finally, number seven, is we're to share it. We're to share it. This may be one of the most important things for some of you to hear. God works in us so that he might work through us. Say, it, 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 what does he do? This? In, in, in what areas does he do this? In every area. Everything he does in us, he does so he can do something through us. Jot down, listen to 2 Corinthians 5.15. It says there that he, Jesus, died for all so that those who live, that's us, might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. So what Jesus says is, he died on that cross for me so that I could live in this world for him. It wasn't just so I could get to heaven someday. He didn't die for you just for you. He died for you for others, not just you. He died for us so that we'd live for him. He took our place on the cross so we'd take his place in the world. How does God see people now? Through our eyes. How does he touch people now? Through our hands. How does he care about people now? Through our hearts. How does he help people now? Through our efforts. He works in us so he can work through us. Look at 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. The God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we can be comforted and be comfortable. 
Is that what it says? No, doesn't say that at all. Who comforts us in all our affliction that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. God doesn't just comfort me so I can be comfortable. He comforts me so I can become a comforter of others who are uncomfortable. And that's why he comforts you. Look at Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Acts 1, 8. You shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to, even to the remotest part of the earth. So what are those verses about? He's saying the gospel doesn't end with you. You're not the end point. You're a point in the middle. I saved you to use you to save others. God saves us so that we can make disciples and be his witnesses. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says that God reconciled us to himself so that he could put us in the reconciling people to God business. He works in us to work through us. Now look at what Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.2. <clears throat> I gave you the first part of this verse earlier. But things which you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, now I've added, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Here's what he's saying. Don't teach people. Teach people who will teach. Teaching people is pretty much a waste of time. Teaching people who will teach multiplies what you've learned. We're not to be the end point of what God teaches us. When we teach others, they're not to be the end point of what we taught them. You see it? Teach others who'll teach others. Tell others who'll tell others. You're not to be the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is, is a beautiful body of water. I've been there several times. First time I, I thought it would probably be black. You know, it's just dead. There's nothing live in it. The salt content is so heavy that, you know, somebody, the biggest person you've ever seen who can't swim, you can just throw them in there and they'd float like a top on it. And it's dead, but it's beautiful. It looks like the Caribbean. But it's dead. Why? Because it receives, but it never gives. It's the end point. Sea of Galilee is north of it and water comes down off the mountains into the Sea of Galilee. Beautiful, beautiful. It's basically a giant, really big lake. Beautiful uh, lake there. And then the Jordan River runs out of it down to the Dead Sea. And so Sea of Galilee is alive. It's full of fish. It's where all those things happen. If, I, if you dropped in Galilee, if you've never been there, you might think you're in Hawaii. Real different place from the desert and the Dead Sea and Judea where Jerusalem is. But here's the point. We're not to be like the Dead Sea. We're to be like the Sea of Galilee. We hear something and we tell it. We get blessed and we try to bless somebody with our blessings. This is why you need to be in a community group. Our community groups meet at, uh, on a, from 9 to 10 on Sunday mornings. They talk about the Bible. Usually it's a chapter or two in the Bible. You get an email, tells you what the questions are going to be. You know what you're going to talk about. You have a whole week to look at, think about yourself. And then you come on Sunday morning. It's not to be a stand-up teacher like a preacher. It's to be a, a, the teacher supposed to be a facilitator. And what you do is you learn from each other about what God is teaching you about how to apply this life, apply this word in your life. That's what it is. Every one of you needs to be in one. Now, here's the deal. You learn from others who know more than certain things about certain things than you do. 
And then they get to learn from you because you know more about certain things than they do. We're all ignorant just on different topics. And we're all pretty smart just on different topics. There are people who you, you need to learn from and there are people who need to learn from you. Now, some of you may think, well, I've got my act together. If you've got your proverbial act so together that you don't need a community group, then a community group really needs you. If you're all that and you're not, then some group really needs you. They need your greatness and your incredible biblical insight and your perfect maturity or whatever else. Get out off your high horse. You need other people and other people need you. That's the way God made it to be. He wants you learning from others. He wants others learning from you. You're to be a sea of Galilee, not a dead sea. Everything God teaches you, the first thing you do with it is think about who can I tell what I've learned? That's the first thing you do with it. You want to pass it on. You've been saved. Now be my witnesses. You've been comforted. Now go comfort. You've been blessed. Now go bless. Every time you learn something, especially something spiritually or about how life works, you ought to be saying, who can I tell what I've learned? Now just a couple more examples of how God works in us to work through us. He does for us so we can do for others. In Luke 6, 38, Jesus says, give and it'll be given to you. Give and it'll be given to you. In other words, our giving to others determines what God gives to us. Now, if you believe the Bible, you believe that. And it goes on to say, according to how much you give will determine how much you get. So if you believe the Bible, you believe that. And some of you don't believe that because you don't give. So here you are again coming face to face with yourself because you have to face the fact that you, you say words you don't mean. You say you believe it, but you don't believe it. If you believe the Bible, you believe that. You believe the more I give, the more I'm going to get. Where God calls us to be like himself. For God so loved the world that he gave. He's a giver. Now I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 10. Because I want you to see this one. I'm going to read through the verses and I'll comment on maybe all of them. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. We're going to go through verse 10. I'm not going to mention verse 9. So verse 6 says, He who sows sparingly a little will also reap sparingly a little. And he who sows bountifully a lot will also reap bountifully, he'll reap a lot. So we help determine our return on investment, how much we get by how much we give. That's what the Bible says. Look at verse seven. Each one must do just as he's purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Never let anybody manipulate you or pressure you to give. Don't ever do it. Bible says don't do it right here. You're not to give under compulsion. He says, but you're to be a cheerful giver. The Greek word uh, cheerful there is Hilleros, which we get the word Hillary Clinton. No, really <laughs> hilarious. Not Hillary Clinton. It's the word hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver. Now think about it. God loves everybody, right? But there must be really something special about a hilarious giver because he specifically tells us he loves that kind of person. See, that's stuff you, you get when you read and believe the Bible. 
You say, that wasn't an accident that he said that God particularly loves that kind of person. That means something. I don't know what that means, but it means something. Look at verse 8. Oh, this is the best part. Remember, you're giving bountifully, so you're reaping bountifully. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. How many of you would like to have that? Having all abundance having all sufficiency in everything and having an abundance for every good deed. So God's able to give you everything you need and more than you need. Now, why would God give us more than we need? Well, look at verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now, don't miss this. If we sow bountifully, he will multiply our seed. He'll give us more. Why does he multiply our seed? For more sowing, for more giving. See it? He'll multiply your seed for sowing, not for having. If I give, God will bless me so I can have more than other people. That's not the point. If you give, he'll give you more so you can give more. If you do that, he'll give you more. And you can give more. If you do that, he'll give you more and you can give more. Given, it'll be given to you. Is that not what Jesus said? Now you gotta decide, do you believe it or not? Do you believe it? That's just not a, it's not a math equation. If I, okay, if I give $100 today, I'll get 200 back by, by Wednesday. It's not that. And I'll say a word, another word about that here in a moment. But here, here's the deal. As you're responsible and generous with what God gives you, he gives you the ability to be more generous. He loves a cheerful giver. By the way, there are no other kinds. If you're a real giver, you're a cheerful person. The, the, a miser is somebody who, who you know, won't spend any money, just holds on to everything. That's the root word for the word, anybody got it? Miserable. Misers are miserable. Givers are hilarious. They have a big time. He doesn't multiply our seed for having. He multiplies our seed for sowing, for giving. And then don't miss the end of it. And as you do this, it changes who you are. It increases the harvest of your righteousness. Listen closely. We don't just do what we do because of what we get from it. We do what we do primarily because of who we come, become by it. I'll say that again. We don't do what we do for what we get from it. Well, I'll do this if I'll get that. We do what we do primarily because of who we become by it. I will do this. I'm not sure what I might get for it, but I know who I'll become by it. Does that make sense? It changes you the Bible. Read it, study it, memorize it, learn about it from others, obey it, and share it. Now, the Bible's not only true, it's full of life-changing principles. It tells us how to have successful relationships. Boy, do we need that in our day. It tells us how to, uh, teaches us how to succeed at work. It teaches us how to navigate and manage the problems we face in life. It teaches us how to get past pain and loss. If you hadn't had it yet, you're going to have plenty of it eventually. 
Dave Ramsey has made an estimated $200 million teaching others what the Bible says about managing money. Must be a pretty good book. Wouldn't you say? Must have some good ideas in the Bible. Make that kind of money off of it. It tells us what God blesses. It tells us what will hurt our lives and bring us pain. In Psalm 1911, we're told of, the, of God's commandments. It says, by them, your servant is warned, and in keeping them is great reward. I believe that. Let me tell you who else believes that. Adam and Eve. <laughs> they sure believe that. They're, they're, they were warned and wrecked their lives and wrecked our lives because of their sin. So do you believe that in keeping the, God's commands, there's reward? And in violating, there's problems? Do you really believe that? How many of you remember the old spaghetti, I guess you still buy it, the old spaghetti sauce called ragu. Ragu spaghetti sauce, okay? Some of you may use it, I don't know. I don't know if we've ever used it. But anyway, ragu, they used to have these commercials. And in the commercial, somebody would keep asking about some ingredient. Remember it? And they'd say, it's in there. What about such and such? It's in there. Well, is there this in there? It's in there. Over and over, it's in there. Now, here's the deal. Read your Bible. The basic principles of everything you need to know to have the best life you can have here, it's in there. It's in there. You do need to be aware of this, though. And we're through. The Bible doesn't hand you these truths on a proverbial silver platter. Instead, they're scattered throughout its pages. You've got to find them. The whole of God's truth on something may be found in 20 different passages, maybe more. It takes work, it takes time, it takes real commitment. Now, when you old-timers were young, us old-timers, and we're growing up, you remember they used to have a lot of westerns. Back in those days, you had a few dramas, then you had a bunch of westerns and war movies. That's basically kind of what the movies were. Anyway, they had these old westerns, and a large, you know, large portion of the television shows and the movies were westerns. One of the themes that ran throughout those westerns was gold mines. Remember, there was always gold mines. And you'd hear maybe some toothless guy say, there's gold in them there hills. Yeah, there's gold in them there hills. The Bible's like a gold mine. Incredible treasure is available for those who will do the hard work of finding it. And never forget, its words are not idle words. They are your life. You've just heard the 12th and final episode of the Why We Believe series with Dr. Rocky Ramsey. If there are any episodes you missed, download the Coryton Cast podcast today on Apple or Spotify to catch up on anything you missed. Again, thank you so much for joining us today. You're listening to Coryton Cast, the official podcast of Coryton Church. If you have any questions at all, visit us online at CoryptonChurch.com or drop us a message or comment on social media. We're at Coryton Church. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and we pray God's richest blessings on your life. Give us a rating, hit subscribe, and have a fantastic day.